0: through 12 and it can be found on page 5 of your bulletin if you'd like to follow along and when he returned to Capernaum after some days it was reported that he was at home and many were gathered together so that there was no more room not even at the door and he was preaching the word to them and they came bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men And when they could not get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they had made an opening, they let down the bed on which the paralytic lay. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some of the scribes were sitting there questioning in their hearts, Why does this man speak like that? He is blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? And immediately, Jesus perceiving in his spirit that, and he rose and immediately picked up his bed and went out before them all, so that they were all amazed and glorified God, saying, we never saw anything like this.
1: That was, of course, the misses to the soon to be ordained. I'm delighted to introduce to you our guest preacher this morning, the Reverend Dr. Mike Higgins. Uh, Pastor Mike is the Dean of Students at Covenant Theological Seminary. He's also the senior pastor at South City Church in St. Louis, where Yancey and Crystal and their family worshipped prior to joining us here in Washington, D.C. Uh, Mike is also a retired colonel of the U.S. Army, so those of you that are slouching, sit up. Uh, He is also a friend and a colleague and a brother and a mentor uh, to me, uh, but also to Yancey, which is why it's no surprise at all that Yancey requested that Mike be the one to uh, preach on this special occasion. Uh, I remember when I was talking to Mike on the phone at one point, when we were still praying over whether or not to bring Yancey onto our team here and getting to know this brother through different people that knew him well. I remember hearing Mike say, pause, and say at one point in one conversation, Yancey, you know, he's like a son to me. He's like a son to me. And the first thought in my mind was, that's really special to have that kind of a relationship. The second thought in my mind was, this guy's biased. I can't... (laughs) Can't can't trust a word he's about to say. (laughs) Everything he said was true, and then some. And so we're grateful, Mike, for you to come as a a father to Yancey, to many of us, a friend, a colleague. And so together, if we could uh, welcome our brother, Reverend Dr.
2: Mike Higgins. (laughs) Amen, would you pray with me? Father, we thank you so much for your love, your kindness, your amazing grace. Lord, I thank you that he that knew no sin was made to be sin for us. Lord, I ask that you would help us as we celebrate your work in our church by again, loaning us, Yancy and Crystal and their family, loaning them to us that we may steward them well that they may work for you, bringing your kingdom, and we just thank you in Christ's name, amen. I tell you, I, I, I love Yancey, I don't really like Crystal that much, but <laughs> I have tried to excommunicate that woman three times. <laughs> she just moves to a different church, but I... <laughs> And Michelle, uh, my daughter, she would be here. We had kind of an emergency happen back in St. Louis, and I knew she would want to be there doing what she's doing, which is just an extension of what you guys are doing here, because the church is one body. Amen? Amen. Um, So speaking of the military, when I was a a first lieutenant assigned to the 1st Infantry Division, so I was uh, what you call a fire supporter uh, I was an artillery officer, but I was working for an infantry battalion. And so one of the things we have to do is that we have to practice doing fire support. So it means that, you know, you, you've got the howitzers, the guns, maybe 15 yards behind you. Then you have your spotters, your observation post, your OP, about right here. And then the target may be where that piano, that organ is. So, the the guns shoot over the heads of the spotters, way over their heads, and then wherever it lands, they go, you know, left one zero, drop one zero, because you're trying to bracket the target. Because artillery is a, is an aerial weapon, you don't really have to hit anything; you just have to be within 50 meters. So, uh, it's pretty boring day on the firing point. Uh, you know, I'm, I was the ex- executive officer of the unit. <laughs> So my job was just kind of, when they were firing, just kind of walk around, uh, and I had another lieutenant, a West Point lieutenant, uh, he was the actual person in the Fire Direction Center, the FDC. So I'm just walking around, you know, just a pretty boring day, except for all the noise and the smoke, uh, and he ran out of the FDC. He was screaming, Mike, you got to come in. You got- we did something wrong. Now I understand the shells were shooting, or 100 pounds of TNT, so he said, he said, man, I think we just shot out of the box. I think we may have hit our observers. I think we actually killed our observers on the OP. I said, okay, let me come in. And so they were using a computer to compute the uh, data for the rounds. and. Erwin, look, I'm so bad. I grabbed a set of slide rules, and I said I'm gonna do the same stuff with these slide rules. We recalculated it, and the rounds, according to our calculations, fell right on top of the eight folk who are the at the observation point, our forward observer. So I pick up the phone, the the the, the radio. Uh, Romeo 2-6, uh, this is Zulu 1-8, over. Romeo 2-6, Romeo 2-6, this is Z- Zulu 1-8, radio check. Nothing. They've been asking that radio all day. Now, let me back up a little bit. Before the rounds actually were shot, uh, there was a, another lieutenant with the folk on the O.P., and he was cooking, because uh, we didn't have any more reason, he was cooking in a can some stuff called beanie weenies. So, and he was cooking over a Coleman stove, and uh, he had not punctured the can, so the beanie weenie can could, could you know, the juice can start bub- bubbling out, because cooking it over open flame. Brothers and sisters, those rounds were coming, six of them. Six rounds were coming, and those rounds impacted exactly the time, this is what I'm told, when he punctured that can of Benny Winnie's, the rounds hit, the Benny Winnie juice went up and got him in the face, and he started running around saying, I'm hit, I'm hit, somebody get a medic, I'm hit. And rounds are still coming in, but just in the, the chaos and the confusion, somebody who had a sergeant who was a combat vet from Vietnam in those days went and got the lieutenant and threw him under a, a, a vehicle. And he's been Lieutenant Beanie Winnies. I mean, to this day, I think he's a colonel now. It's the unexpected impact. Of the gospel. No matter what we do in our churches, and God, we do good jobs. I mean, I, I love having folk who are just really great at planning and rehearsing and liturgy. And believe me, I think that's wonderful. We should know. And ever so often, Jesus does something in the midst of the liturgy, in the midst of the worship service, somewhere between uh, the invocation and the benediction. And it's not just what happens in the building, but it happens in our lives. From the time you wake up to the time you go to bed, even today, something may happen that's just, it's the unexpected. So as Crystal read the text, Jesus is back in the house. Don't know if it's his house, a house. He's in Capernaum uh, on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, so even his presence is kind of unexpected. He's kind of a rock star now. Matter of fact, in, in chapter 1, uh, he healed someone, and he told a person, don't tell anybody. Yeah, don't Just, just kind of squelch that testimony. You know, they told everybody. So now Jesus really cannot go anywhere without folks just all over him because he's a healer, and folk. Told folk who told folk he he can't even, I mean, he can't go to Pentagon City to the mall and buy nothing. I mean, he can't even go to the Gap store. Just, you know, you have to rent the whole mall so he can shop in peace. (laughs) So he's unexpected. He's preaching. Another unexpected thing happens is while he's preaching, there's a commotion and people are tearing the roof off. Now, I know some of y'all are thinking about Parliament and Funkadelic. <laughs> Tear the roof off the sucker. Uh, uh, Google that if you don't know what that means. Just because we're in the cross-cultural, you know, just. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the man comes down. And I, I don't know about you, Duke, but have you ever been preaching and there was an interruption? You know, at South City, it's like we got so many babies. It's like passing gas while I'm preaching. <laughs> and you know me with this ADD. I, I mean, where was I at? Where was I at? So there's a disruption, and you have all types of points of view in this passage. So I thought I'd look at it just really, really, really quickly from the point of view of the folk who were there. So the folk who own the house... That's easy. They just call USAA because somebody tore our roof off. Uh, We don't know whose house it was, but, you know, these roofs, they they, they give up pretty easily. They're like mud and thatch over crossbeams. It's not really hard to tear up these types of roofs. Um, And then, you know, there's, there's that crowd of people who are looking to Jesus to do some Jesus stuff. Amen. What? What is the Jesus stuff? So we got this big crowd. Matter of fact, nobody can get in the house. And then we got the scribes. The scribes, the the religious leaders. And what they're doing is what we call paralysis by analysis. You know, it's like, well, let me, let's just have one more meeting about that. Uh, Let's get together and talk about it. I mean, let's form a committee that will form the committee that will form the committee, that, we, that will give, you know, it's a committee, so it can't make no decision, but it will give recommendations to the committee that formed us. Then we will send recommendations to them, and they'll tell us to do it all over again. I came into the Tennessee Valley Presbytery 20 years ago. And I never will forget, Yancey, I was going through my ordination, because I was actually coming from... The Church of God in Christ, which is an African American Pentecostal movement, into the Presbyterian Church in america and uh i didn't really see a whole lot of brothers no not no not brothers brothers yeah it's it depends on how you say it so uh <laughs> that might have been that's probably less than ten black pastors out of like thirty five hundred and so so i'm I'm up in front of the, pres- the Tennessee valley Presbytery and uh I remember a question someone said now, Reverend, because I want to teach an elder, I want to teach an elder yet. Uh, Reverend Higgins, uh, when you fence the table for communion, uh, where is the Lord? I was like, okay, I know he's not the cracker. Uh, I, know he's not, I know he's not under the cracker and I was like he's at the right hand of God he's he's in the bomb cyclone I mean it, it, you know, am I getting close cuz I'm like okay so oh yeah his spiritual presence and okay but you know so so sometimes you get questioning but Jesus had no problem with the interruption that was happening the dude being dropped at his feet, understanding what the religious leaders were thinking, and so we have the point of view of the friends. Brothers and sisters, whether you're being ordained in the ministry or you're ordained to be a sister or brother, you need friends who have faith that is just downright crazy. I mean, you, you, you really need to have friends who have scandalous faith. But what about the paralytic? A lot of us don't want to admit how paralyzed we can be. And ministry can be a paralyzing place. Cause it's hard to tell anybody what's really going on. And if you try to, a lot of people just don't want to hear that. Um, so here you have a paralytic who is on display. I mean, it's one thing for me to have my sinfulness or my brokenness or my weakness or that thing I don't want anybody to know about. It's, if I can keep it contained, or if I can keep it within my circle. But what about when we're all sitting here and you're coming down from the ceiling? Pretty slow. And everybody is is seeing that, okay, here's this person. And a lot of people feel like this. uh, Here's this person who is helpless, hopeless, worthless. I mean, Jesus is a rock star. Why would he care about that? How come Jesus didn't say, well, where are my people at? Where are my handlers? I mean, come on. How did these people get in here? And Jesus knows how hard it is for people to carry us. To be honest with you, it's a lot easier for me to be one of those folks, to let my friend down. But if he got up and said, Mike, it's your turn. I'd be like, well, wait a minute, dog. But you know what Jesus did? The scripture says in verse 8, immediately Jesus perceiving in his spirit that they questioned themselves. That would be the rabbis, scribes. He says, let me ask you a question. Why do you question these things in your heart? In other words, y'all should know better. He said, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven, or to say, rise, take up your bed, and walk? Now, we had a saying in North St. Louis uh, before you got too bold. it, It was, you know, don't let your mouth write a check that your body can't cash. Jesus can always cash his checks. If he says it, he can do it. He's faithful. God is faithful. God will never say something to you and then go try to buy a book called God for Dummies so he can figure out how to do what he just told you to do. Jesus knew that in that time, the rabbis actually believed that, that God could heal you. But the thing is, they knew that if a person had committed sin, that God would only heal you if you were true and your repentance was right. So you could repent all you want, but if you're still on the mat, you really ain't repented. So what does Jesus do? He takes the initiative. He says, your sins are forgiven. And believe me, the sins that, that, that sounds really easy, but just so we can, you know, be assured that sin is not something that's really small. When we're talking about sin, I mean, we're talking about stuff that is an affront to God. I mean, it is, it is something that is disobedient to God. Um, we say we fall short of the mark. We, we, we got a whole list of, of the, the works of the flesh. So Jesus just saying your sins are forgiven is not just something to say so he can get to the healing part. When Jesus says your sins are forgiven, your sins are forgiven. So Jesus says, just to let you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sins, he told this guy, he said, pick up your bed and walk and go home. There's this thing, and I'm actually closing. There's this thing that I call the fellowship of the mat. You know, I, I have Tourette syndrome. I want Jesus to heal me, but I don't want to take it with me. I want to walk away from it you probably have stuff that you deal with and you feel like, I, I, I know that Jesus said, my sins were forgiven if you're a Christian. Your sins are forgiven, but I, you wish he hadn't said, take up your mat and go home. It would have been better if he said, look, somebody burn that mat. It's, it stinks. We're tired of looking at it. It's dirty. I mean, man, burn that mat. Go get you some, some of that good soap at the bed, body beyond, whatever that place is. <laughs> You know, I mean, scrub yourself, and but you don't need that dirty mat. I mean, because you can smell it when I can't smell it. You, you look in the mirror and you see the person who carries that mat. But the unexpected power, the unexpected impact of the fact that you carry that mat around, that is what makes your ministry viable to people who have a mat, and we, we spend so much time trying to convince folks, I don't have a mat. I never had a mat. People who are struggling and need folks to help them and pick them up, they don't really want me, to, want me to preach about how Jesus got rid of my mat, and I'm just trying to help y'all get to where I'm at. I'm just glad to be in the room. Let me tell you, growing up in North City, brothers and sisters, my testimony is I was stealing something. I was trying to, me and two other guys. And we were trying to steal something from a liquor, a liquor warehouse. So, and this is kind of a commercial for Master Lock, because <laughs> that was a lock on the, uh, the, the, the liquor warehouse door. And we're out there with like hammers. And it's, it's, two in, it's 2 in the morning, making all this noise. We live in the neighborhood, so we was pretty stupid, too. So just, bam! bam. Because if we didn't even drink, we are going to get the liquor and going to fence it, you know. So, you know, I, So that was a city cop, 8th District, St. Louis Police Department, sitting over at a filling station watching this and I guess he just, he was finished with his donut or whatever, and he, he decided, he turned his whoopee lights on, he came across, and let me tell you, brothers and sister, there were three of us, we ran three separate directions, but by the grace of God, he followed me. <laughs> I just, yeah, so, <laughs> by the grace of, Russ, now you know, if, if you do something and there's a thousand folk with you, it's like, follow him. Yeah, follow Whitfield. I jumped into a dumpster. And the cop just went right on by. The unexpected happened in that dumpster. There wasn't nothing in the dumpster but me. It was a dead cat. And you know what I said to myself? I said, you know, I'm nothing. I mean, I'm in a dumpster. I mean, I'm nobody. I'm just a, I'm just a young black man. I got, I'm nothing. But like that Christmas curl says, he appeared, and the soul felt its worth. That's. I didn't see anybody, but I say like this, I felt like I actually heard a voice that said, you're my son. I got out of that dumpster, and I started looking for Jesus, and he led me to a storefront Pentecostal church. It was the loudest place I'd ever been to, and I was in college. I mean, so, you know, frat and stuff. And the next thing you know, I was being ordained to preach the gospel. So, Yancey, brother, Jesus can take you from the trash can to the teaching elder. I, didn't, I tried to do a T word, so. I'm so glad that God loves his people. Amen. When you, and brothers and sisters, that match. The man is your friend. you just need to learn how to manage it, model it and 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 sometimes you got to spin it around and you know, but as Paul said, when I'm weak, I'm strong. Amen, let me pray, Father, thank you so much for the unexpected things that if we could anticipate them or knew what would happen we probably wouldn't even get out to bed, but we thank you. Thank you for this wonderful church, all the churches that are represented here. And Lord, I thank you that because of your redemption, Lord, we can understand why that when we were yet sinners, Christ died for all the people on the mat Put us in the fellowship of the mat. Father, I thank you that he takes us out of the trash and he places us into royal heavenly places. And if anybody tries to talk us out of that, Lord, I pray that you would help us to say, God is my father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.